0: He can knows my background So we won't have to uh, um, But thank you Yeah, no, the setup's pretty good It's like, I get questions about that It's Adobe Audition And, which is an online program And that I used to use in my old job And a Behringer mixer And now everybody that's listening knows So we'll just go into it uh, This is episode 21 of Beer Life My name is Jordan Foss And on the show today I have Ken Beattie uh, The executive director Which sounds super fancy It does uh, Of the BC Craft Brewers Guild um, and your life must be an absolute clusterfuck these days. So, but let's not start there. We'll come back to it. Um, let's talk about you first, rather than what you do for for the job right now. Um, how did you get into beer? Um, where did it all start? Started. I was.
1: Uh, I grew up in Vancouver, and I was um, going to university, playing rugby. I'd played rugby all my life. That was my sport of choice. And uh, a number of the guys at the rugby club worked at Molson. And one of my best friends the year before was the summer rep, the event rep. Okay, yeah. And uh, that sounded like a good game.
0: Sounds like a great job, yeah. <laughs> Driving
1: around uh, on a in a van that looked like a 2-4 on wheels. And uh, so I applied for the job and went through an amazing battery of tests and uh, really? checks. Yeah, including a, like a four-hour psychological test to get hired as a summer rep. And uh, I got the job. 1987, went back to my last year at university, and uh, I worked doing customer complaints through the, to keep my toe in the door. Yeah. And in 19, when I was about to graduate, I was a couple of credits short, and I was going to go through the summer, and they offered me a full time position in Prince George, and I took it. And that's how it oh, started. So, you went to PG? I went to Prince George, yeah. And how was that? Well, for a guy who grew up in Vancouver, that was a a culture shock, to be honest. I really, I mean, you know, it's like anything, the people were fantastic. Uh, I got to see country that I never would have. I went to, my territory was... Quinell to mckenzie to mcbride to new hazelton oh wow so uh i drove a lot yeah and uh but it was uh, it was i wouldn't have i wouldn't have done it any different because yeah. you could make mistakes you were learning and you could make mistakes and no one was throwing you know the stakes weren't necessarily as high right and then i got uh but i did want to come back to vancouver and i came back and did uh the Kitsilano territory and University okay. West Side, uh, and uh, yeah, that's how it started.
0: So, when you were um, up in Prince George, was it? Is that is it Molson Country? Is that kokani Is it Labatt? Like, who are you battling against most of the time?
1: I, this is how old I am, Molson. Yeah, Labatt.
0: Pacific Western, yeah. and
1: Carlin O'Keefe. Oh wow, <laughs> okay. And they all had reps who lived in the territory. The funny thing is, uh, Jim Dodds, yeah. was with Pacific Western. Oh wow, and uh, a fellow who's now owns a number of LRSs, Dave Folks. Yeah, he was the Labatt rep up there. Oh, crazy. And they're still all both in the industry. The other yeah. fellow has left the the Carlin rep left the industry, and I think owns the Boston Pizzas up there.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so you were at uh, so how so you moved back to, to Vancouver at Molson and how much longer were you there for?
1: I was there till 1997, so I was there ten years in total. Oh wow! Uh, and then I moved into from Kitsilano. I moved into downtown Vancouver. Yeah, had uh, the Roxy account. That was my oh
0: wow uh, world. Oh, oh wow! I, I was the
1: kind of the king of porn. I had it all. I had all the gay <laughs> bars and all the strip bars and all the nightclubs and everything else. Kind of uh, from. The, let's say, Stanley Park to
0: Main Street. Right. And how many, how many kegs would the Roxy go through?
1: Uh, not, not so many, but no. I had the Camby, and it oh. went through a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I always wonder about that. Like, what's, you know. In the cra- Camby
1: was about two, I guess if my memory serves me right, anywhere between 150 to 200 kegs a week. Holy shit. It was crazy, man.
0: Wow. Um. Yeah. And if you're not in the industry and you're listening to this at Steel and Oak, we consider a great keg account one that goes through two a week. So um, that's like that's like a double A account yeah, for us. Yeah, it,
1: it was uh, that's incredible, insane. Yeah, wow. So I had the hockey rink and yeah, yeah. It, I had I had the largest draft business in Canada in my yeah. territory.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so, how did the process from okay? So you're working for big beer, and then there's obviously a bit of a gap in time and then coming to become the executive director of the craft brewers guild. Um, so I guess how did the, cause I don't remember cause I think we were a fairly new brewery when the guild was starting yeah. up. Um, I remember going to my first meeting was at, um, in the little weird bar room they had above Vancouver Island <laughs> brewing, <laughs> yes. uh, before GCBF one year. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that would have been 2014. Yeah. And so, how did that all come about? Um, Was there a guild beforehand? And they just hired you on? Is that how it worked? Or? Yeah,
1: there there had been a guild actually back in the 90s. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, some of the original breweries, like uh, at that point, Whistler, Okanagan Spring was not bought by Sleeman at that point. Um, Vancouver Island was very involved. Uh, Storm, all yeah. the kind of original breweries. And the story Barry Fisher told me from Vancouver Island was that they there were six breweries and they were told that they should be a, a collective voice because they were all asking the government for the same stuff right and they they formed but three of the breweries didn't like the other three so they never actually met because they were <laughs> competitors yeah say um and then it kind of dissolved just because you have to file some paperwork and they didn't no one did that yeah and then it resurrected itself and it just dis, it dissolved again when there was more breweries r&b was involved and, yeah. and i might be getting the original breweries not in the right order, but, and then it ended up, um, it really kind of how I got involved. I was at Sleeman for another 12 years yeah. in sales. I actually ran a place I knew Westminster. I, I ran oh. the Met Hotel for three and a oh, half no years. Yeah. Okay. So I did that from 97 to 2000. And then from 2000 to 2012, I worked as the, uh, throughout jobs in, uh, sales, sales management for yeah. Sleeman. And then, um, I was, uh, Exited. Yeah. I was packaged out. <laughs> uh, no cause. I got to make that. Uh, there was no cause. Yeah. They, there was. Uh, they got rid of three of the senior managers in Western Canada in one yeah. day, as big cor- corporations do occasionally. Yeah. Um, got my package. I was doing uh, Prudhomme. Uh, I was a, a fan of the Prudhomme beer um, uh, program. Yeah. And we had run all our sales reps through it. And when I finished at Sleeman, I talked to Roger Metag and uh, I said, we should do this out here. And he said, yes, we should. And so I started working for him in Western Canada. Okay. uh, Doing beer education. And through that, I was pitching Don Gordon from Whistler. Yeah. uh, Who I used to call against in Kitsilano. Right. Which is kind of weird. Or he was a rep and I was the sales manager for our reps. And uh, I was asking him actually to... uh, to to take a mat leave there was somebody on his team doing a mat leave and I was trying to get my business off the line so my wage went down by like 80% or more and uh, and so I asked, could I do that job? And he was like, dude, you can't do that job. He says, did she tell you it was key accounts? And I'm like, I can do key accounts. That'd be perfect. Yeah, I know everybody. And he said, did she tell you about the other 50 accounts? And I'm like, no. And she goes, they're on Granville Street, including the Roxy. I cannot send you back into the Roxy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I agreed with that. And he said, but I've got this other thing. At, we, the Craft Brewers Guild. Myself, I'm a director, Todd Melnick from Tree at the time, and Matt Phillips or directors. And we're looking for an executive director because the government was going to do the policy review. Right. Uh, which turned into that was the election that everyone thought the NDP was going to win and Christy Clark was going to lose. And she pulled it out of the fire.
0: Was that the second time? The second time that she got. Yeah. She so elected. it was like, like,
1: would that be 213, 214? Yeah, somewhere c- in yeah, there. I can't remember. Um, and so, she, so once they were, they got back into power, the liberals, they formed the, what became the John Yap liquor policy review, and they needed somebody to manage that and work on that. So I was hired part-time, worked (laughs) full-time, and I worked with a lobbyist. My kind of first jobs were to launch a a collection pack in Ontario uh, to raise funds for membership. So raise funds really to pay for the executive director role. So it was a bit of a eat what you can kill yeah <laughs> and um and start membership drive yeah so, so gather members at that point we started i think there was about 45 breweries in bc in that would be 213 yeah and i think uh less than 15 were members uh and the membership was like a hundred dollars and you donated some beer to this the, the collection packs And then from there, uh, so he offered me that job, and I said... He listed what he needed done. You needed to lobby the government, which I'd never done. You needed to run programs with the liquor boards. Uh, You needed to go out and find members, so basically create relationships. You needed to be the face of the guild. We need to get a presence in media because back then when anything came up in the media, they'd ask the restaurant association about the beer industry or they'd ask the wine association. They wouldn't ask anyone in a brewery generally and, uh, and hire a lobbyist to put together this program. So we ended up, uh, I I said, well, it sounds like a job. Honestly, I, I said, does that job pay? And he says, well, that's the catch. We can only pay, part-time and I said okay well uh, I'll do that that's fine and uh, because I had this other business was getting up and running yeah so I did kind of can I do both he says yeah that's exactly what we want to do we need to educate the members on beer quality in the public so let's put that all together so it started in kind of two thirteen, and yeah. uh, it grew. Now it's one hundred and eighty plus members, and uh, so
0: there's some. There are definitely breweries that aren't members of the guild, right? Yeah, yeah. They,
1: they tend to be. The, for the most part, they tend to be the smaller yeah. members who, who you know, and for us, we have a, we've changed our scale and our model on how, how the membership works. But now literally, if you're starting a, a, a brewery for $250, you get a, yeah. um, a building builders, uh, brewery in progress, it's called a brewery in progress membership. And for $250, what that literally gives you is the value that gives you is you get access to the members fit, private Facebook page and our associate right. members. And that I mean, the thing that's always amazed me about craft brewery and it's such a cliche is the set, the community yeah. and the ability for people to collaborate, not only on making beers, but just sharing knowledge. Yeah. There's no other industry I'm aware of where I can come and say, Hey, I'm going to start a brewery to compete against you. Can you tell me how you did it? And you offer it and yeah. you
0: don't charge them.
1: No, for and sure. I know you're one of those guys that people code to all the time. I
0: yeah, but, but I, they don't know yet that I give them false information to d- drive them into the ground. No,
1: <laughs> well, you're
0: not doing a very good
1: job because not many
0: close. No, not no. <laughs> Even during this, no, pandemic. yeah, no, it is it is weird that way. It's and I'm obviously joking. Like we, I try to be as helpful as I can, and and uh, and I always say like I literally still have no idea what I'm doing most of the time. But um, so there's always that caveat when you take advice from me. Um, but it is a weird industry. Like I'm, we had the conversation yesterday about going in on pack tech orders, right? The toppers for to the top of the cans, and it's like, yeah, your competitors are calling you up, being like, "Hey, do you guys want to go in on this so we can get a better deal?" And and it's great that way, right? And it's just like, I don't know. It's it's. Um, I think the thing I love about it the most is that when shit goes bad, um, you have other people around, like a support group, and generally. If it's going bad for you, it's going bad for everybody else at the exact same time. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just a nice camaraderie of, you know, a group of people that are all experiencing the same thing, right?
1: Well, and I think, you know, and back to this Facebook thing, you know, people will just say, hey, I'm looking to do this. How do I do this? And they'll get 20 responses. So that to me for $250, that's the best consultant you'll ever get. For sure. Yeah. And it's interesting to that, you know, the point of uh, the sharing. And I think it's, it's. And this, this is for the majority of the members, the passion that you're, what got you in here outweighs the profit a lot of times, yeah, all, not, yeah, all the time, as yeah. you know, yeah, you're not in it necessarily for the money. No. Um, if you can make money and and live a, a, a lifestyle that you're wanting and that's not necessarily equals a, 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 the bottom right-hand corner. You've got life balance. You're yeah. able to come and go as you kind of please though most people are here all the time yeah. and working. I mean, it's a bit idyllic. I don't mean it to sound like it's not. It's incredibly hard work and you'd have to be as passionate about it yeah. in order because the return isn't necessarily what people think.
0: No, and I think there's a confusion like when people people are getting into it a lot of times the people that come to me are either young people that seem like this is a really cool thing to get into because they see the events and everything and it's beer it looks fun or it's an older generation that has done something before and they're like yeah you know i made a bunch of money at this but this craft beer thing seems like it'd be a a cool thing it seems like it's going to be a money maker because of how many are popping up and i think like what people don't realize is they it's confusing as hell right? Because you, you're all of a sudden you're running a logistics company that does wholesale. And so you have like three departments of your business. There's your, you know, your production facility, you deal with work safe, you deal with all these regulatory bodies, then you're selling beer wholesale, but you have to figure out where logistically that makes sense, you know? And, and so you need to be able to have a, you know, degree in supply chain management and all, like it's confusing right uh, oh. not to mention be good at hospitality and marketing right it's yeah. it's not an easy gig
1: and manage regulatory
0: Yeah. Oh, and that's like, especially during now, like COVID times, trying to figure out what to do next is, is, is it's, um, yeah, no, it's a stressful gig and people don't realize that.
1: Yeah. And I say, you know, people always, the question, when's the bubble bursting? I mean, we don't get it much anymore. I think people realize, okay, there's no bubble. This is not going away. This isn't trendy. This isn't something that millennials have dreamed up and when they age out, they're going to not do it anymore. Um, but to me, and, and sometimes it's, members get not very happy by this comment but it's not the amount of breweries that we have because per capita we don't actually have uh uh, i think we rate like with iowa or idaho in the states like we're not anywhere near where seattle uh, washington state or oregon would be but it's the business acumen of the people in the business that are in the business because they get in it thinking they're going to brew and have a tasting room and to your point they need to be logistic managers, HR managers, marketing experts, yeah. government relations experts, policy experts. Um, it goes on and on and on, and their heads explode.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I had a uh, there was a, a an acquaintance that uh, went to high school together, and I'd heard through a friend that he was wanted to get into to craft beer. He'd made some money um, at a I think he was working in a film studio, but doing like CGI animation. And he so he has like his own CGI company and he's like, oh yeah, I want to get into, uh, I wanted to get in craft beer because it just seems like a nice break. It'd be a little more relaxing. I'm like, you dummy. Like it, it's, <laughs> no. it's no. And, but I think you're right. It's just like, yeah. we're still in BC. A lot of people are running craft breweries as hobbies, right? Whereas it's, it's, it's a very expensive, it's too expensive of a business to get into to run it like a hobby, Yeah, you know? And, um, and so, but I think that's, I think that's changing. I, I or I think. People at least are learning on the go a little bit, you know, and, and are getting oh, better at it. I,
1: I think that the, the, from what you, you've said, I mean, you've how many years now? For six, six years? Yeah, right? it'll be six. So weeks, think of yeah. where you've come from in six years. Yeah. Think of, you know, people, I mean, that people have a much better, because of the close knit community, they have a much more realistic, uh, um, challenge or a aspect of what the challenges are yeah. because they get so much good advice really for free. Yeah, um, You know, if you think you're going to, and, and I'm yet to have, and I'm sure these member, there's members out there that do this. I'm yet to have someone come up to me and say, okay, we're going to be in this. This is our plan. We're going to be here for three years to five years, and then we're going to sell out and we're going to, you know, live on a beach. Yeah. No one's, actually ever said that to me no and um you know that's not why people get into it
0: no right no I mean, definitely not you
1: know I, I you've got i don't know if you want to show, why did you get into it like you yeah. were doing
0: something different i was well we got into it because it's um my turn to interview yeah you. right oh this is interesting <laughs> um and i i mean i probably i might have told the story before on the podcast but we got into it because um i was into i was into wine for a while and i've always been into food and so, and my wife and I would, you know, when we planned vacations, that we would book our, our, you know, wherever we were staying around where a place we wanted to go eat was, right? And then, so we'd find the restaurants we wanted to check out and then we'd book, right? And, um, so we were always really obsessed with wine as well. And of course, you know, we'd go to the Okanagan every year and it was just, it was great. And, and, um, pre-kids, pre-kids, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Now a big outing is when I go to the corner market and get some, some vegetables, <laughs> and um but anyway, so we um Jamie, uh, my business partner and i were, were good friends from high school and and uh went to Tofino and Tofino Brewing Company had just opened up and where it really I was starting to get into craft beer because it was just a natural progression from from wine right it was like learning about flavors and but what really tipped it off, the reason that we got into it is because. It was just this this cool space that the community gathered around, right? And so, like, Tofino had opened up, and there were, like, kids there. There were, you know, old people, young people, people with dogs. Like, it just seemed like a cool, inclusive hub. And it's kind of go, goes back to that old English pub kind of Completely. mentality, right? Where it's like, okay, this is a neighborhood joint, right? And so, we're like, well, we're both from New West, and we want a neighborhood joint that... That is just not a typical restaurant or pub, right? And something where you actually make and build something there, right? And so that's kind of, we got into it because we wanted New West to have a cool spot. And then, um, and, and that was kind of like, the the beer was just the catalyst of making that cool spot, right? And then slowly started home brewing and got into it even more. And And I can't tell you, I haven't gone on wine tours recently, right? Like it just, it changed quickly for me, right? Yeah. And, and um, so I think, you know, people get into it either because, like, Ben Coley, for instance, is a great example from Dagrad. He didn't open Dagrad in Burnaby because he loves Burnaby. He op- made Daggerad because he loves making Belgian, Belgian beer. beer. And so I think it's one or the other where people get into it because they love making the beer. They're home brewers. They love making the beer themselves, and they want to bring it to the world. Or they want to create a cool spot in their community that, that's more of a hub for people to come and congregate. And, and I know that's why we did it. Um, but it changes so drastically quick. When you get into it, you're like, Oh shit, this is, this is, has to be so much more than this. Right. Yeah. And, um,
1: it, it amazed me when I was, uh restructured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I went, I took all the, I like the. The package was great, right? Yeah. They'd give you some money and you, you think it's a, enough for quite a while. And then you have to buy your own car and you do weird things like have to buy your own beer and buy your own gas. And yeah. wow, gas was expensive. I didn't realize that Yeah. because I hadn't paid for gas in like 20 plus years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, um, we, we, you know, you, you end up in, in this place and I, I went to these headhunters and, I was 50, just yeah. turning 50, so it was perfect timing. <laughs> Not. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the headhunters were like, oh, well, you'll have to work in the hospitality. You'll have to work either for a liquor supplier or a beer supplier, or who, who else would you like to work for? And I'm like, no, I want to try something else. Yeah. No, no, you can't. You're, you're pegged, literally pegged, as, because the perception, which is completely wrong, is that if you're in this beer industry, you're just a guy who can entertain drink, yeah. tell stories, and be this kind of you know concierge to people. Yeah. And it's so wrong. I mean, my budgets at these companies were multi-million dollar budgets that we yeah. were running. I had a staff of 25 I was running. Wow. Like it was not like just, hey, me ha- walking around drinking yeah. beers with customers, but that's the perception. And yeah. so I think some people get into it thinking, to your point, yeah. oh, it's a hobby. This would be a good way. I need a break from my engineering yeah. job. Are you That is If that's your attitude I'm going to, to save yourself A lot of money yeah. Don't do
0: it Because yeah. it's super capital intensive too Oh god yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I got a, uh, Somebody asked me this was, this was a couple months ago Like oh uh, It was a newer brewery That had just opened up And they're like Yeah so like You know you find that Like when you're Canning the line how, Like how many How many beers you guys drinking When you're canning beer I'm like None. None. <laughs> we <We're> working. <coughs> None. Because yeah. we're, we're, yeah, because we are in a, a, a light industrial uh, manufacturing facility. Yeah. So, like, and I think there's this mentality that, like, everybody's back there, they're making beer, drinking beer, yeah. and, and, like, it's not that at all, right? Yeah. And, um, and that, even if it is that at the beginning, it wears thin real quick. The
1: kid in the candy store lay, uh, goes away really quickly. Yeah. It's like, you know, you go and you see there's umpteen, um uh examples of you I I'm amazed at beer festivals. I see guys at every event. I'm like, oh my God. Because I know they're working every day brewing. Yeah. They're, you know, they're doing all their stuff. Then they're at every event on the weekend. They're because they're a small staff, they're the only people manning the you yeah. know this story. Yeah. And as they either get bigger or the thing that stops is that because yeah. it's like, man, I, you can't possibly do that. No. Because, of course, you know, uh, to, back to your point of, you know, the, the first time we met or the first guild function, we used to do it on Saturday morning before the Great Canadian yeah. Beer Festival. That wasn't so significant. What was significant is it was the day after yeah. the brewer's party,
0: party on the and Friday night. I, it
1: was like the night of the living dead oh yeah i could have passed anything in those talk. no one talked no i talked for i mean i like to talk anyways but yeah. i talked for like 90 minutes of a presentation not one question because literally everyone in the room was hung over yeah and probably 40 percent of them were still drunk
0: oh yeah yeah <laughs> or hoping to get a beer so they don't feel and as they bad they were
1: hoping to get a beer yeah, yeah. no
0: um going into so to switch gears a little bit, going into COVID, so pre-COVID, what would you say was kind of one of the bigger challenges, or the biggest challenge that you are working on with the guild, or or at least that you have had to kind of deal with on the day to day of what you do?
1: Yeah, we, pre-COVID, ironically, we were working on um, we were working on patios. Uh, oh, that was one yeah. of the things that we were working on yeah. uh, uh, quite a bit and and I'm part of uh, the B, uh, the business technical advisory panel yeah. which is uh, a cross section of industries representative of all industries in BC that the the uh, attorney general EB formed in 2 Seventeen, i think we did our report in 218 and it was a liquor policy review and recommendations there was 24 of these so we were kind of going through that list that's what we were working on yeah. but specific to our industry we were working on kind of you need there's it really was in vancouver for the most part yeah. was that um you need to give these breweries uh i mean we're we're known as community hubs and we're a, 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 intricate to the fabric of the culture. Yeah. Um, And we have a place in those communities, but we weren't allowed the same rights as everything to me in this business is about leveling the playing field. Mm. And so, you know, we weren't allowed in Vancouver, breweries are not allowed to have patios. So we were actually working on that. Yeah. (laughs) That was one of the things we were pushing along with some stuff with, uh, obviously the contract manufacturing piece for us was really important uh, to protect what we had, uh, what you had built. Yeah. Um, that you couldn't just do a a whiteboard brand and make it somewhere else and get the same benefits and taxes stuff. So we're working on markup. We're working on uh, establishing what is... Every other industry has a requirement, minimum requirement to be what a manufacturer would be in that industry. So the wines, wine guys and the cider guys have certain limits. Yeah. We don't in, in uh, the beer business. So we were working with the government towards uh, establishing what a minimum requirement for a brewery is, what equipment would be needed in order to get that the markup rate with people who aren't listening you get a different markup obviously yeah. for small brewers versus bigger brewers so um we were trying to level that out so that was a lot of the work we were doing and yeah. we were making unfortunately we were making super good progress and we had so many things about to happen yeah. that have not happened now yeah. so two years ago we were close to some stuff and they decided to the federal government decided to legalize cannabis yeah. and every liquor policy went out the window for a over a year so the whole plan of the 24 recommendations and working towards knocking some of those off disappeared overnight. Yeah, Didn't really do anything. We finally went back to the government and said, this is ridiculous. You told us you were going to work on this. Cannabis, cannabis, cannabis get that out of the way. Not that we're anti-cannabis, yeah. but, um, but we needed our voice and, and that was all industries. So that has big beer in it ourselves. It has big, uh, it has craft spirits. It has restaurant association and it has pub association, uh, everyone, uh, right. you know, so that, that momentum stalled, we've regained that momentum. And then when, so we were working on some stuff Personally, for for with the guild that we thought was going to happen, and COVID hits, and it all goes sideways. Yeah,
0: yeah. So when COVID hits, um, do you take like a, a you know quick day break and just be like, okay, now what? Now where do we have to reprioritize? Or are you were you kind of at least for the first few weeks just you know flying by the seat of your pants, like the rest of us, just trying to figure it, out what to do?
1: It was. The most intense crisis. Well, no one's prepared for crisis management unless you're in a war zone. Yeah. And this is a war zone. So we were literally the first to be closed. We're hit hardest first. We were uh, overnight and we will be the slowest to recover. Yeah. Because of the social, rightly so, because of social distancing and what the setup of the rooms are. So um, it went from zero to a thousand miles an hour overnight. And the challenge with managing it was it changed hourly. Yeah. We, I, I was telling you prior to coming on air that. I was in a meeting to discuss the rollout plan and it was about maybe March 16th. It was before St. Patrick's Day. And I was at City Hall talking to other businesses, uh, downtown business improvements in Vancouver. We were actually talking about patios. Yeah. That's what we were there to talk about. And then we, you know, the public health office was coming down with some stuff and we were trying to manage what that may look like. We were rolling out a plan and going to do a survey and all this stuff. And meantime, downstairs, the mayor was shutting down the city yeah, uh, yeah. for St. Patrick's day. And I, I walked in, left that meeting thinking, oh, okay, we've got a bit of a plan here. This patio thing looks like it's going to actually work <laughs> and went into the, where he was speaking. The washroom was, I went to the washroom, I came back out, I listened to his speech for a while. And he was, he was talking about keeping it open. By the time I drove from city hall to van, to my house in North van, yeah. they'd close van, Vancouver, everything yeah. overnight. So people didn't, people kind of don't realize the effect you do. You lost every on-premise account you have
0: overnight. Well, there's, and there's a misconception that they're like, oh yeah, people are buying beer like crazy. You must, must be doing really well through this. I'm like, no, no. Uh, we lost our taste room, which accounts for most of our profit. Um, and we, yeah, we lost for us. Um, we're pretty draft heavy. Actually, we lost 50% of our revenue in one day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And people don't get that. That was part of the program of Time to Buy British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, because, again, the, uh, Don Gordon is this, uh, thankfully, uh, he's almost like the wizard behind the curtain, to be honest. Yeah. He comes to me, you know, that's how I got involved with the Guild. And then we, we've we had several things. He was uh, the chairman of the board uh, Guild for a while. But we were having this conversation about exactly that, that all you got in the retail. Thankfully, the first thing we did was make sure that we were treated equally to other manufacturers as an essential service. Yeah. So there was some debate whether we would be essential service, whether you'd be actually even allowed to open your doors for takeout. Right. So we that was the first thing we did. We were like, no, if you're going to let um, restaurants do takeout or whatever. We need to be open. We're an essential service. We're no different than this. And ourselves in the wine tasting rooms, were on that. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thing. Uh, but the the amount, with the time to buy British Columbia was two weeks, three weeks in, there was panic buying. Yeah. Like if you went to a liquor oh, yeah. store, it was like New Year's Eve every yeah. day. And, and when you panic buy, you buy 1.75 liters of whiskey and you buy 20 fours and 30 packs or whatever the biggest pack you can get which we don't make no yeah yeah (laughs) craft brewers don't they do now yeah (laughs) yeah there's some guys who have gotten pretty smart about it so i think parallel on the 49 has a 49 pack yeah yeah um and i i think whistler has a larger pack size um now but we don't work in that world no so it's way more difficult to grab four or five flats than yeah. it is a couple of two fours well
0: especially when stuff gets singled out too and liquor stores i talked to um i think it was the first cut the cup for after two weeks in i called or emailed uh randy uh who own, or runs the beer program at the jack's liquor stores yeah. and they're a great partner of ours and and um and she'd kind of given me a hard time tongue in cheek because her and i go back fairly far and and that uh to quit quick cut in her grass. Cause we were doing the home delivery service. Right. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I know, I know it's temporary. Yeah. Like I'm just trying to keep the lights on yeah. like, so we can still sell you beer. She's like, I'm, I get it. I'm just joking. And, um, but she was telling me that, um, that like they'd never been busier, but it's not buying our beer. It's, it's yeah. buying the the budget brands, right. Yeah. To, to stock up. Right. Yeah. And, um, that she hadn't actually seen a, a huge fluctuation. I know where we noticed the, the, uh, like at least a little bit of a uh, an increase was just with the home delivery and with people coming to the to the tasting room to get beer to go. Yeah, and I think initially there was this big push. At least I know there was in New West, which I'm thankful for to like spend your money local while you can. And so we we had this nice little surge that I think helped you know keep us going. Um, but I think now it's like. It's going to be interesting over the next couple of months to see how things kind of actually settle out, right? And yeah. you know, I was listening on the radio on the way down to the brewery today, and I think unemployment's still thirteen point seven percent or something. And and you know, the SERB's going to be ending, or at least if they don't extend it in a, in a month, and you know, everybody's gotten their loans, and yeah. everybody's going to have to start paying principal again, and and um so it's like, okay, well, what's go- now? What's going to happen, right? Like, yeah. are people going to be able to tough it out and I worry about, I actually worry more about January, February of 2021. So do I. Do I.
1: Right, right I you know, I I mean, that was all part of it, that, that the liquor store, you know, I was, we were in constant contact. So part of this great thing that the silver lining of this was the BTAP report or that group was on a calls three times a week. We were talking with the government every week. We were talking with LDB, LDB Warehouse. Um, We were talking to uh, Erin McEwen, the head of corporate strategies. She was sending us an update on supply chain every day. Yeah. Uh, so everyone mobilized together. So that's the silver lining of that. And we got some stuff done right away. So, um, you know, it's not, it's definitely a direct benefit to our members was we worked on, uh, I was part of a phone call with, uh, the pub association and the restaurant association over the weekend. The, I think the second weekend, and the liquor board and the LCRB uh, to allow, we had presented on Friday, we should allow restaurants and pubs if they're doing takeout to be able to put your product on the the bill too uh, and deliver. Um, And we turned that around, the government turned that around in like 72 hours. (laughs) Like we talked Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and they announced, I think Sunday night or Monday morning. Never in the history of liquor regulation has that occurred. So those kind of things, people. I think that hopefully that legacy of getting kind of out of the way. There's been some things that have stalled, as yeah. you know. Yeah, and those are very complicated. It seem more complicated than they should be. Hospitality pricing is another. Thing well, that yeah, we're and I was gonna
0: on. I was gonna mention that because of course, like all these, and and for those of you that are not in the industry that are listening, um, there's two tier pricing, right? And yeah. so if you have a restaurant. And Steel and Oak sells you keg, or sorry, sells you packaged product. You actually pay a higher markup rate than if you owned a liquor store, and I don't see any of that money, and um, and so it makes it really difficult. Which is why when you go to a restaurant and you see a can or a bottle, it looks expensive because it is. And um, they
1: pay the same price as you walking into the liquor store and buying a six
0: pack. Yeah, and then they have to mark it up on top, of and then I have to mark so it so that they don't go out of business, but. I was talking with, I was on the podcast with Adam Henderson and Ben Coley about that. And then they had made the announcement that they were going to switch to wholesale pricing for hospitality customers as well. But I got tagged in a tweet yesterday or, or it came across my, my Twitter feed um, asking like when that might come to actually fruition, right? Because we don't know. We imminent. Imminent. I can only tell you. Okay. imminent. Yeah. Cause it should be
1: great. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm under a non-disclosure okay. to be honest, yeah. but I, I, we did have call with the government and um, that is something that there is very strong political will to do Yeah, um, because that's the difference at this moment. The restaurant association across Canada thinks 50% of their members will not reopen. That yeah. is scary. Yeah. And that, you don't have to be an economist to know that's going to affect your business. Oh yeah. It's already super tough to get taps Yeah, and getting those taps. If you lose 25% of the the business makes it even more intense.
0: Yeah. We're already like, I know, and I know a lot of our, our brewery friends that are around the same size as steel and oak. Um, I mean, we've all been having these internal conversations that like, I'm, I mean, we're, we're already getting rid of keg share kegs, and planning to sell less draft, right? And um, going into COVID, um, one of my my one of the guys that I think it was my second hire, uh, Jay Schreiber, who's done sales for us for for years, um, decided that he wanted to go in, and try something new, get into tourism. and The time was terrible. I Ooh. feel so bad for him. Yeah, but any, <laughs> anyway, so so we'd actually parted ways. Um, I think it was the week before um, we had to shut down the brewery, and um, but I'm not. I'm not going to replace him. Well, yeah. will I mean, and that's no knock on the job that he did. No, it's just that I, I already have another sales guy, Anthony, and I just don't think I'm going to need another salesperson, you yeah, know, cause I, I just don't think there's going to be enough.
1: It's, it's going to be real. We don't know. It's yeah. a crystal ball, right? Uh, for sure. But what we do know is that this has caused this pause, there's a lot of benefits. I mean, I've yeah. heard in a previous podcasts, yeah. you know, the the pace that you're, how we've all changed. Um, yeah. I work from home anyways, but I really like it. I've spent more time with my kids yeah. who are 20 and 18 than ever, yeah. uh, you know, so that's all great. Those benefits, but you've had to reevaluate what your business is. Yeah. We had one of the, you know, the home delivery piece. That's always been in terms and conditions. Yes. And very few very few members did it. Did it. Yeah. Very few members did it. Now everyone's doing it and it's a viable e-commerce business. Yes. And the the better we get at it and one of the things we're trying to figure out is you know this the ability at this moment you can go north south, east west, but you can't go into Alberta. You can't yeah. go across Canada. So maybe that'll change at some point. It yeah. really should. It's ridiculous. There's no boundary there the wine guys have been doing it for years Um, is there a demand Let's a big demand for steel and oak in Toronto. Probably. probably not.
0: I'm sure. Probably not. Probably, <laughs> but,
1: um, but, you know, there is for probably in Nanaimo yeah. and there is for, for uh, you know, Longwood or uh, Land and Sea to be people want to try their beers yeah. in Vancouver. So I think that is something that's always been there that people didn't really use. No. And, and that, I think, will be an interesting an interesting development that will stay i think the other legacy of i think allowing restaurants to put a four pack of steel and oak on my meal when, when i order it yeah. is a great thing and I, I i'm pretty certain that will stay yeah we, we they did change the growlers of course which are in uh in, in you know important to our members um and that was really to because you weren't allowed to get into the places to bring the product back, so we didn't want a whole bunch of stale, dated products. So we said, okay, you can fill growlers, but it was very specific. Yeah. Fortunately, the majority of the the uh, people doing that, and I shouldn't say the majority, but there's a large percentage of people that aren't really uh, adhering to the rule. Yeah. And they're not filling uh, one liter glass, and that's not what would be our intention. Uh, every brewery is obsessed with quality. Yeah. And if you're putting it in a sippy cup or a soup container or whatever it doesn't really work for us no so i think that will come back members have asked us when yeah. that's over we'll get back the growlers and, and i think that is something I, there's not a lot of money in it no. as you know and people people because so many people have packaging now and even if you're small and you don't have a canning line you can bring in a, you know a mobile canner um i think from that point of view people are gravitating to that so the growler I think the growler sales are gonna go down anyway yeah, I think so too I think
0: yeah. um, uh, we've had a, you know chats about this with my, my brewers group that when we kind of you know have a slack channel that we're talking about that like will this be the death of growlers yeah. you know and I don't think it'll be the death for some of us you know I think we still have a pretty like I get I get people coming in daily yeah and like are you feeling growlers And we're like no we're not we're not doing it yet and like oh okay and sometimes they leave yeah they don't even pick up a four pack yeah. right? Like they're that, you know, they're that obsessed with the, with the concept of a growler, which is fair. We're the ones that brought it into the market for <laughs> them. So I, I get that. Um, but I think it'll definitely start to slowly decline. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, um, and I, and, and I think, you know, for many people, that's a great thing and for others, it might not be. And depends on, you know, how much you rely upon the, uh, the revenue from it. But, but I do think that the we like, and We're going to take a quick beer break, but when we get back to it, one of the silver linings that I think I'm hoping will stay from this is patio culture and the ability to have a patio at your brewery. Because as you came in, you probably see there's a chalk outline in two parking spots in front of Steel and Oak um, where my patio is going to go. That's really only taken like a couple weeks to like mobilize, right? Which is crazy. So let's have a quick beer and then we'll come back and talk patios. Um, Okay. Beer break time. The Beer Life Beer Break is brought to you by Vessel Packaging. That's right, we have a sponsor. Uh, At Steel & Oak, we use Vessel Packaging for mobile canning services, so uh, when we've got beer in the bright and it's ready to put into a can, um, Vessel just shows up in the morning, sets up the canner, we get through it in a few hours, and then they shut it down and take it away from us. We don't have to worry about maintenance, we don't have to worry about anything outside of making sure that the beer is ready to package. They've got printed cans, labeled cans. They can do blanks. Um, they've got standard sizes, so your 473s, your 355s, um, but they also do uh, sleek and slim sizes as well if you want to add a little something extra to uh, to your packaging uh, to make it stand out on the shelf. Um, they also do all liners for all types of beverages, um, so whether you're doing beer, cider, wine, water, RTD, CBD, um, Vessel can basically do it all. They are a one-stop packaging solution. So I remember Matt from Vessel when he was just a a young, handsome-looking, tall gentleman in his Jeep trying to sell me on his services back in 2014. And uh, they started in the West Coast, but have quickly moved uh, across Canada. They actually have locations across the country to service all of the provinces and territories, which is bananas when you think about how big our our country is. Um, They also have customers in the U.S. as well. So if you need something packaged, uh, you don't need to think that you're either too big or too small to use Vessel. They have customers that use them for thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or even millions of cans a year. Uh, If you need to put your beer or beverage product into a package, uh, give our buddies at Vessel a call.
1: And I know people are. People are taking note of what's working. Yeah. Because it's coming back. Yeah, in
0: some form,
1: so at least you won't have to figure out all this stuff again. What works? What are best practices? I mean, the art of the handshake is probably gone. Yeah, you know, like it's a it's a major shift in how we. I, I think the social distancing piece will at some point. That'll be the last thing that goes. Yeah, but yeah it's it's complicated no. I don't know what it's gonna i mean like you say hopefully the you know the things like patios and co- bringing people back i think that the the i think due unfortunately to what would be what we think is gonna happen in the restaurant industry is going to directly benefit the tasty rooms
0: yeah. Yeah, as you can probably it, tell, we're back. So oh. we, I just, no, I do this all the time, Ken. I just hit record as okay. we start coming out of the break because honestly, obviously, that's actually when a lot of the good conversation yeah. happens. So it always sounds awkward, but um, <laughs> but it's but it's good. People get it, people get it. Okay. But I think you're, oh, it's funny that you say handshake. The art of the handshake is probably gone. And like, I, you know, and, and so like I'm a hugger and like hugs are probably like gone too for a bit. But it's also what I've realized is that you actually don't need to hug somebody to make them to like have that interaction with them and stuff like we have when dr bonnie henry said we were allowed to expand our bubble or whatever my my wife and i and our kids we've really just literally just been the four of us we've seen no one yeah and i much to the chagrin of my my mom and dad who missed their grandkids and my wife's mom and dad and and anyways the um so we're like okay well we'll expand our bubble and um a Friends of ours. He's a school teacher and, and uh and she's actually our accountant at Steel and Oak. Um, and they've got two kids and around Jude, our oldest son's age, and we're like, okay, hey, that's gonna be our COVID family. So we need to make some ground rules. Like, we're not seeing anybody else, we're gonna see each other, we're still gonna, you know, yeah. distance. And so we had them over. Um, and it was actually really good. The kids have a little bit more, they understand, they have a little bit more tough times, but we realized that in our relationship as friends, It's not like we're normally, like, outside of sitting at the dinner table together, it's not like we're up in each other's faces ever anyways. Right? And so, like, it actually didn't change outside of, like, being a little more cautious with who's picking up what, and, you know, we're outside, obviously, which is, you know, thankfully we're in the summer now, so it's it's we can do that. But, like, it didn't change our relationship, right? And so, you know, I think there's gonna be some things you think that will stay, but I don't know how much, you know, it'll be the, I think the biggest thing for us will be, like, how policing the, the grandparents from holding and kissing and picking up the kids. I think that'll be grandparents everywhere are yeah. having a tough time with, with this. Right. I, I, um, you know, we let my parents now, um, come in and, and they're allowed to play outside with the kids, but they're, they're not supposed to like, and I'm like, don't pick him up and hug him and kiss him. And I go inside and it feels weird because it feels like I'm chaperoning them playing with the kids in our backyard. Yeah. And um, and of course, my youngest one, Lennox, who's just about two, falls. And so the first reaction is, is yeah. my mom like picks him up and gives him a hug, right? And you're like, how you can't you can't tell somebody to not do that. No. You can't have her walk away from a crying two-year-old that doesn't understand what's happening. And so it's just like, it's really just... It's difficult to navigate. Yeah, you, you know? kind
1: of have to investigate, you know, to your parents. You've got to interview them. So where have you been? Who yeah, have well, you seen? They're good. Where, where are you at? So if yeah. they're good, and this is obviously not, you know, yeah. um, I, I'm not in that situation of small kids. My kids are older. Um, and really, they only have their grandfather left yeah. on my, my wife's side. But, um, you know, you, you're not able to, you're not able to um, do that. But if they're not in the high risk, but you never know. That's the unknown, yeah. right? You don't know who has it, who doesn't have it. And you know, you don't want your kids sick. And more importantly, you really don't want your, your parents, parents sick No, no. <laughs> because I'm going to assume they're a little bit old. They
0: are. Yeah. My dad <laughs> Maybe is even older than me. They, yeah, they are. <laughs> my dad's, uh, my dad's 70 mm-hmm. and my mom is 60. She'll be, she's 30 years senior to me. So she'll be 67 next week. And um, they're fit She's gonna be mad at you for Yeah that. I know Sorry mom They're real fit I don't know if they know How to listen to a podcast Sir, so. a <laughs> I can't believe your son Just you, said that You know what The funny thing is So my mom's <laughs> name is, is not. To, we're gonna talk about patios Don't worry guys We'll get back to it But my mom's name is Karen And on the internet right now um, oh, yeah. The biggest meme is like she's a real Karen, right? And so I'm <laughs> like, I hope my mom never has to see this, so that she doesn't realize because she's not a Karen. To, you know, what to I mean? try to
1: be hip, I've seen this Karen stuff, yeah, and I had to Google it. The oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, to Siri, Siri, what's a Karen? Yeah, And so now I know what a Karen is. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway,
0: um, okay. So patios, um, as I was saying before we went into the, the beer break, that you can see that there's chalk outline outside. Um, we've been approved for um, a parklet patio from the city of New West. And the city of New West has decided to, um, for those of you listening, the, the LCRB, for their, their application for, for breweries to get patios, um, the, the municipality the brewery is in can either check to just approve everything or to approve each application individually, which would take a lot of time. And so the city of new West, I think city of Vancouver as well has decided just to have a blanket approval process, but that doesn't mean that you still don't have to go through, um, the planning department, the like the, so there's still, it's not like you just get to check this box and then you can throw your patio up. There's still process.
1: There's still process. And this has been one of the things that we've been, as I said, prior, we were working particularly in Vancouver, but You know, if you can get Vancouver to get there, the other municipalities will. We were part of a a campaign that we sent out a letter uh, and a template to our members, but to every municipality uh, and council and mayor in across the province. uh, Part of that with the Restaurant Association, the Pub Association. And um, they've gotten the responses like over like 40 or 50 of the municipalities have agreed with the letter and the letter was exactly what you were saying yeah. the letter was like just tick boxes and let's get this out of the way the premier has virtually said to or you know said to uh uh minister uh, the attorney general um, you need to get the bureaucracy out of, out of the way, way. and yep. I'll tell you that LCRB has delivered on that. Prior to this, one of the the structural change processes, you know, is oh, painstaking. Yeah. yeah. Anywhere for the listeners, uh, you want to put up a patio, you want to move a table in your brewery, you want to move a piece of equipment in your brewery, you have to apply to have yep. that done, and that process can be mm-hmm. six to eight months, it nine months, can sometimes. take up to a yeah. year. Yep. So. That was brought up by BTAP again. It's one of the recommendations originally. And I can say that uh, the head of the LCRB and their policy team has been, they totally acknowledge it. She uses the perfect word for it, Uh, uh, Mary Sue, who's the general manager they're triaging the system. Yeah. And that is the perfect word because it is, they realize it's a shit show. Yeah. They realize you can't have businesses making decisions. You can't give people patios. Okay, you're approved for a patio. You get it in November. No. That doesn't work. Now more than ever, that doesn't work. So they have gotten out of the way. There was some, you know, this is really recent. Uh, Today's the 5th of June. Yeah, Uh, I think they changed it on the 1st really. They announced it kind of maybe a week ago. Yeah, Then they, you know, different municipalities did Different things. Um, but what we're seeing in some feeds and some social media stuff is people are kind of it's kind of forty-eight to seventy-two hours if you've ticked all the boxes. Yep. And so it's really encouraging. There was some chatter on social media about I haven't heard anything. They don't give you a confirmation number. I'm really worried. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now those people at the top of the feed are got mine, got yeah. mine, got mine, got I mine. I think
0: it's it's about cause this this Brewers group we've been talking about. I just applied yesterday. Because um, I wanted to make sure that the city had what they needed to have, and um, I haven't gotten my approval yet. But it, there was no say, "Hey, thanks for like." It says thanks for submitting, but you don't get a email yeah. confirmation. And so, um, but I was talking to Adam Crandall at Moody, yeah. and he applied for the bakery. And he said it took three business days. Yeah, which is real quick. And as Adam far as was I'm... one
1: of the guys. He actually raised the question. Yeah. In, in the the and I was like, oh man, Adam's one of our board members, and I was like, oh man, you got to be kidding! They're not doing confirmation. How will you know? Yeah. Because that would be a signal in pre-COVID of good luck. Yeah. You're you're lo- you're going to be lost in the system, and so what people need to understand, uh, and this is for members and for the public is. If you get your temporary license, the the defining principle, that would make you think you're getting more seats. Yeah. It is not no. that. The public health office order is 50% of your existing capacity. Yeah. If you don't do, um, if you, if you, what they, what the, the order's intention is, is to spread out yeah. your, the people to and throughout your facility one of the things that we're working on is a one-site manufacturing license for those who aren't in the industry there's red lines they call it there's certain areas within the facility where you can drink and where you can't drink and we want that changed we want it to be one area so we can spread out in the patios or the or in the parklets or the the logical extension um because dr henry wants us outside because yeah. the COVID, you're much better outside than you are inside in COVID. Yeah. So we're we're working towards that, and I will give them kudos. Uh, the LCRB has, tur- turn again turned this around. The municipalities have been fantastic. Yeah. So um, things are working. So let's. This is what happens when industry and government policy work to the betterment of the economy. It's keeping jobs. It's keeping people. You know, we want people to staycation. Yeah. People want to be outside in the summer. You can't not give us this. And this should be something that isn't temporary, that should be full time. Uh, And that's the goal. And I think once they see, you know, I I, I joke about this all the time. Uh, Joke might not be the right word, but my sarcastic or black, dark humor is I've I've done a lot of drinking in my 58 years in this industry yeah. and outside of it, and I've never seen anyone act any differently drinking in a closed premise or a dark room than they do outside. No. Never. No. I don't think sunlight makes you go wacko. No. So I think it's, it's going to be something that, you know, you, you think of the cultures in Quebec and, and in Canada, that's the only jurisdiction that really is more European, or any city in Europe. Yeah. It's okay. We're not, you know. And now we're seeing really. I can't. I'm blown away this week about announcements of. Oh, I live in North Vancouver.
0: You can drink in. I can drink in a park. Yeah, yep.
1: <laughs> I, and and how did that happen? I I was talking to Kim Lawton up in Penticton at the cannery last night, and Penticton is they're they're started today. I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. are you can in certain designated areas. You're good to go. Yeah. Well, so it'll be interesting. So the message to the listeners is. Don't fuck that up.
0: No, no, be responsible. Because yeah. like I we talk about this all the time that like there are gonna be some of these things, well we talked about earlier on the podcast, that are gonna stay. And the city of New West has been really proactive with with us and and with, you know, reclaiming the streets and allowing these patio setups and, and it's so it's been easy to deal with, right? And, and you're right, kudos to the LCRB because even on their application form, it's like you can hand draw what you want yeah. and and send it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, thank you. Like, we don't have to, you know, get an architect to do this thing. Right. And it's just like, they're trying to triage is a great work. They're yeah. just trying to make it it's work. A, it's right? a
1: great work. When she said yeah. it to me, I talked to Michael Lewis. He, he's the owner of three ranges up in Valmont. Yeah. And I talked to him yesterday and, and he was like, yeah, I, I asked, what do you need? I'm thinking architect and plans. He said, I snapped a picture. Yeah. And said, this is the area and we're going to go this. And, and he's hope. In fact, I think I saw last night on the feed that he that got, he his got his, it he got it. So. Yeah,
0: and it, it's and I think it's it's putting responsibility back into the hands of, of citizens and business owners to like to do the right thing, right? Well, and, and
1: and you know, this is the point that I, we always make. This is your livelihood. Yeah. The liquor regulations are not there's a lot of gray, but on things such as seating capacity, fire capacity, Um, overcrowding underage it is black and it is white and you're not going to risk your two million dollar investment in the back where we're sitting here you're not going to risk that to put another 5 seats or 10 seats outside of anything. You're not going to risk that by serving an underage no. uh a minor. You're not going to risk that by putting 30 people when you're only supposed to have 25 people. No one is going to do that. So let's not go to the lowest common denominator in the policy ever and think, well, that could be, I mean, unfortunately with policy sometimes it's, well, this, you know, this is what will happen. We'll have people do this. No one will do that. No. And if you do, down on them and suspend their license or take their license away the guild is totally on side with that yeah. heavy super heavy-handed enforcement but no one is going to risk no. their livelihood
0: no it's all pretty obvious how yeah. how like i mean and it, i mean we all are very aware that we deal in alcohol right and so it's it's um No, no one's no one's going to do that, right? And it's
1: everyone. Everyone who works here has serving it right. mm -hmm. Everyone, you have to, as a condition of employment, have serving it right, which is a government program to allow you to navigate and recognize and deal with people who are intoxicated. We also have the right to refuse anyone for any reason Mm -hmm. in a licensed premises, and that will now be COVID. If you're sitting in the tasting room and you're coughing and sneezing, yeah, we have the right now to say to you could you please leave the premises? I think we have enough knowledge out there as a society that people will not be going out if they feel any symptom at all. No, Which we've all done that. Oh, I don't feel really great, but I'm going to go to work today. I mean,
0: yeah. that, that, that doesn't
1: really affect me. I go downstairs.
0: But, yeah. but those days are over. Those now.
1: days are over and yeah. they should be over. Yeah. Like no one wants to go there and all of a sudden I'm sick because Joe next door was sick two days ago. Yeah.
0: Like no. no way. No, and it, it's... um. No, and it, I know, like, when COVID was starting, we had this whole. I was I was away, and I was this was before COVID, and I was sick, and then Eric got sick, and we're like, okay, well, I obviously probably gave something to Eric, but this was pre-COVID, yeah. right? We're like, oh, that happens. We work together. Yeah. It's a cold, a flu, or whatever. Yeah. And then Eric's like, this is the worst cold I've ever had, and I couldn't stop. Like, and we're like, holy shit! Did we like? Did we have like? You yeah. know? It was, you know? And it, but it goes into your, comes into your mind now. You're it's like, well, your we psyche. can't have this anymore, right? Like yeah. like yeah. If you have seasonal allergies, you need to stay home, right? But, um, but yeah, the the I think going back to like just people being responsible, like I know our public parks in New West. I see people drinking there now all the time, but it's not a bunch of kids just getting it's like it's an older couple having a, a picnic with a bottle of wine, yeah, like, and I and this has been one of the like, probably the first time. But I've actually seen our public parks being utilized the way that they're supposed to be. It's like small groups of people out enjoying the space, having food, you know, um, and enjoying each other's company. And I think, I know I listened to a council meeting with the city of New West a couple weeks ago. And they're talking about also, you know, what, what do they have to do to be able to possibly you know allow people to drink publicly in parks yeah. as well and because um, you know and i think i can't remember who brought it up but it was a really good point about well if you're an older couple if you're you know in your 70s and you live in an apartment and normally your night out is to go to a restaurant but now you don't feel comfortable well you know the public park is there to use as your backyard so you should be able to use it like your backyard yeah and and you know what yeah and if people are if people are drinking in public if people are intoxicated in public and making issues, well, that's that's always going to be an issue, no matter what, right? And so, whether it's decriminalizing it or whatever, I can't honestly imagine that you know any cop. Well, oh, right now, especially any cop is coming down on somebody that's having a beer, you know, in a park.
1: No, I mean you're you're right. I mean, it, it, you know, part of this whole what shifted to the right. Way out of this, you know, as we've kind of talked about different silver linings, is this support of the not only local but hyper local. Mm-hmm. So to your point, you know, let that couple go out, let them come here and buy uh, buy a uh, uh, four pack. Yeah. Let them go to the park, go to their local restaurant, the closest restaurant around here. Let them go and do their takeout and sit outside. Yeah, you know that that that's just treating adults like adults yeah. we you know if if you've if you're got a predisposition to be an idiot and drink too much and fight and leave your garbage that's the other no yeah. please pick up after yourself yeah because if we, the parks are full of a bunch of beer cans or wine bottles that's not going to help anyone no. you know so we have to self-please we have to do the same thing when you come back to the tasting rooms and you see your buddy who you haven't seen in ages and you want to go sit at their table and there's already six of them don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. And, and operators do not, the worst thing we can do is, is mess up the social distancing. It is oh, really yeah. simple. It's a six foot rule between tables, including the backs of chairs between the other back of chairs with the table behind you. Yeah. It is not complicated at all, but do not mess it up.
0: No, no. Cause you do not want to be the brewery that Bonnie <laughs> Henry names when there's a community new community outbreak. You and, do not
1: want to be the brewery that anyone names because I'm going to be pissed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No and it's it's and it, it is and so's the other 179 yeah. members. Yeah, no kidding. But and it's it's obviously I mean it's as a, a business that does rely upon the front room to to make money. Um, it's obviously a challenge to figure out what that, you know, because there's the half occupancy rule now, right? So like Ken alluded to earlier, steel and oak, uh, for an example, we have 50 occupancy load normally. And now we're only allowed 25. And, but that, and we're going to add a patio out front, which is great. Um, And, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be allowed to have 50 spread out over, at least yet until she changes, you know, her her mind or whatever. So it's going to be 25 occupancy we're gonna do our best to try and make that 25 just be outside yeah and um and so it's it's you know so if you come down here you might have to wait right and so it's 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 definitely interesting like it's it's been gonna be a challenge for for us and i know it's been a challenge for lots of breweries that have already opened on how to re train the your your team on um okay so this is we've gone from counter service now we're going to table service and this is how it's gonna there's gonna be a host station and this is how it's all gonna you know so how it's all going to shake down. Right. And so I think if you're out there having a beer, be kind and realize that every, we're all just learning again uh, to do something differently. Right. And, you're
1: starting over. And the other thing yeah. that's important to, to that, to acknowledge the fact of what you've just described is you could probably, I'm going to suspect pre-COVID, you had one person or two people.
0: Uh oh, yeah, two people. Yeah,
1: and now you have five room. people. Yeah, so you've actually. The good news is you brought back more employees. Yeah, the bad news is you brought back more employees. Yes, so it's going to cost you more to actually service fifty percent less people. Yeah, I, if you're maxed out all the time, which yeah. you're not. Know, I've been to a couple of big chain restaurants just to see what they're doing. Yeah and they have more staff than customers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I honestly have come to and I don't know what it's going to look like until we do open. Yeah. Um which I mean we've been trying to time opening with our patio application. Yeah. We've been knowing that it's going to come through, so that's why we've been delaying when we're actually going to open our doors for for sit in. But I my in my mind, I'm going to just do my best to break even and yeah. and keep and cuz I don't want to lose momentum of people coming to a tasting room. And I know people want to sit here and have a beer because they tell me that all the time. And um, so I want to do that. but, But yeah, it won't be, it's not, and I think people need to understand this too, is like for most of us, our taste room is actually where we make our money. And my father-in-law said to me the other day, he's like, well, t- taste room, that's just an add-on. Isn't that just like a nice to have? Like, like no, that's literally the only profitable part of the business yeah. right now, right? Like,
1: it, it has been, I've always described it as the lifeblood yeah. of this, especially the small brewery because the breweries who were, we opened 28 breweries last year, Yeah, man, if you would ask me second, last week of March, how many would have been around my, I would have been much more pessimistic that yeah. these would particularly the new breweries because they don't have wholesale. Yeah. They generally are on tap in their own tasting room at very little distribution outside and maybe some keg accounts. Well all yeah. that went away. yeah So they lost we have members who lost 80 90% of their business overnight. Yeah. And um but they they found a way. Their tenacity and their pivoting, you know, a guy like Twin City at Aaron over there. He was a brass neck model of Port Alberni of the island. You had to go there to get it. Has an exceptionally great high quality food program. Yeah. But had no cans. Yeah. Filled growlers. Well that doesn't keep the door, so he pivoted, got on on board, and was able to to fill and a number of our small members have done that, and that's keeping them uh, going. but y- you know we didn't you touched on it and I didn't kind of talk. My worry is also January, February, March, yeah, because all these programs are really deferments. They're just kicking the problem down the road, yeah, and when push comes to shove you know in a lot of the feder- a lot of the programs like the rate abatement and uh, program it misses literally ninety percent of of the breweries yeah they're they're not able to get any rent because if you've stayed open which as an essential service you have and you're you've lost not seventy percent of your sales, which really if you stayed open and not, not lo- yeah. lost that you should close. Yeah. And I don't mean that sounds callous, but come on. Yeah. You are not doing something right. Yeah. You got to reevaluate or re pivot your position, yeah. but you could be at 65% off Yeah, and you're not allowed. So thankfully, you know, that was another great thing is I got a call the same. It, it was a good day. We got, I was on this call on a Sunday with the government talking about allowing, um, allowing, uh, um, delivery home delivery for restaurants with our, our, our members, beers and other alcohol products. And then Ben Coley called me about the safe small business petition. Right. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's brilliant. I yeah. think at that point they had like a hundred yeah. people and he kind of talked to the idea. I said, Oh, Ben, that's really cool. How did this come together? Him and his wife, yeah. and some people that she knows. Um, and so we put it out to our members, our members jumped all over it. And I think that now is, I haven't checked it lately. Either, but it's, I think it's well. It's if it's not over twenty five thousand, it might probably, be over thirty thousand yeah. signatures, and they have really pushed and taken that mantle. And that really is from East Van and that's a small businessman, and a small business taking initiative for the greater whole. Yeah, it's a great initiative, and 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 still hasn't got us anywhere unfortunately it's really complicated but what it has got is an acknowledgement that um, two cool things uh, the Kelowna MP on the House of the Floor talked about yeah. uh, talked about that the challenges of the Canadian beer industry, and and she also referenced the survey that uh, the Canadian Brewers Association did. But it was all part of the rent and the challenges to small businesses, and but it's just been one of these situations that grew in such momentum, and the the Minister for Small Business federally has acknowledged for the brewing industry that completely missed the target and they are continuing to work on it and hopefully we'll have some resolution to it. Now the the, last week, the province has agreed and the province has now said it will not, landlords cannot evict you for not paying. So that's a good positive, but all that comes out of kind of Ben and his wife and some friends who have decided they're going to you know, when we talk about making true change and we've had different discussions about that, that really was a program that I, I, it's very awe inspiring
0: for sure. Oh yeah. And I, I know, um, I mean, and Ben's, Ben's wife, Erin, she's, a, she's a doer, right? And and I mean, Ben is as well, but I know he was, she was really pushing that whole thing. And, um, and I remember the early days of it where Ben's like, yeah, Erin's got this crazy idea and this yeah. is what we're going to do. And, and, um, so yeah, it is cool Like that somebody Takes the initiative To like I mean he's got enough Going on Not to mention He has twins They have three, twins at home
1: Three and a half Yeah, or yeah.
0: yeah And um, and so And they're both entrepreneurs So yeah. it's um, Yeah, it's cool And I mean there's a lot of It's been really Like you say Inspiring to watch people Pivot into You know Like okay It would be easy To just be like Throw your arms up and be like, "Well, this is out of my control. Let's just call it a day." But people really do like you see that entrepreneurial spirit and the fight in people. The fight. Yeah, and and I hope that like, and there's the problem is is and maybe it's an, and a nice thing just to know that you're not entirely in control of it. But like, it's that uncertainty of of okay, so things seem like they're getting back to back to okay, right? We're going to be able to do this. Everybody's going to hire their team back. Everybody's going to start spending money to get inventory and then all of a sudden if something happens and they're like well we're shutting it all down again most people will be in way worse shape than they were at the beginning and so that's why i'm like my you know i know for steel and oak we're like okay how do we just save as much as possible right now so that you know if we have to shut down from october through march that we could still open back yeah. up again. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I liked your strategy. Yeah, You, you failed, you decided f- flagships. Yeah. And now I think you've re-evaluated that. Yeah, so Obviously, what- we we're just trying something
0: yeah we're drinking lager, our, our new please. lager off the tank yeah which it's will be good thank you and it's still gonna get another couple of weeks in the tank which is great but we
1: i wish it wasn't all the way in the back because i could have another
0: <laughs> <laughs> we um we oh we do i mean and we would did flagships because we're like okay we've got the ingredients for them we know that we have shelf placement for it because we are wholesale reliant a yeah. bit and and yes right, right now we're not we weren't in a position where we like you know you use your limited releases to get people fired up about coming down to the taste room well No one can get fired up and come down to the taste room. So we just need to do what we know. We need to do what we can save cost on because we already have the labels. We already have, you know, it's, it's, so let's do that. And, and we need to be able to get our feet under ourselves to, to figure everything else out. And so it's just like, well, you keep it simple, stupid. Right. And so we're like, okay, if we're going to keep it simple, let's just, well, we figure out all our other shit. Let's just do this. And now we've kind of figured it out. So now we're like, hey, well, now let's brew some cool beers that we want to brew. And so we're starting, we'll probably have limited release every couple of weeks now going into the summer. And and we were fortunate enough that Vibrant Things for us was has been a really big seller. And so it's actually taken up more tank space than we initially anticipated anyways. Um, but I also know that people that have done the exact opposite. Like Ben Cole is a great example. Yeah. He's like, no, we're going all limiteds. We're bringing joy to the people. And, and that's that's great. I, I'm, you know, and, and good for I love ben. that
1: phrasing. I, I heard him say that on yeah. the podcast. I thought, oh man, that is such, it, we are bringing joy to the yeah. people. I mean, we're really in that business. We're yeah. in the joy business, right? Yeah.
0: And I was I, like, Ben, are you saying my flagships don't bring joy to the people? What the <laughs> fuck, man? And, um, but yeah, so it's it's just, I don't know. It's It's, there's no, um, for any of this, for patios, for for how for PPE, for plexiglass, for for how people table service, counter service, there's no one size fits all for no, for, for, for this. And right? that's and, been
1: the challenge for for what I do day to day is, you know, one thing. You know, the the one of the things that I really appreciate about and I've learned about government policy. And I heard this from the head policy writer, uh, at, uh, LCRB is it's a game of whack-a-mole. So you, you change something on one side and it creates a problem on the other. And the perfect, the the real life example is when the uh, public health office came out with their announcement, it, it referred to restaurants, cafes, and, uh, pubs didn't include tasting rooms. Well, there, a, there's no classification for restaurants, pubs, and, and cafes. Yeah. You're either food primary, liquor primary, you have a manufacturing yeah. license and it was a limit of only 50 people. Yeah. So that in your case, you're like, woohoo. Yeah. I got 50, 50 people. people. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to get a patio. I'm going to be able to have spread 50 everybody people. out. Yeah. But if you're yellow dog and you have 199 people, that isn't so good for you because no. it's only 50 and they have such space that they can spread out. I, I, I easily, uh, At least let's say people. 80 people, no yeah. problem. And so we went back and said, listen, you got to treat us again. Level playing field. You can't uh, put us to one side. And so they cha- They changed it once. Didn't get it right. They changed it again, thankfully. Yeah. Um, got it right. Well, my phone blows up with, wait a second. now."
0: Well, I emailed I'm, you. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm, yeah I'm, it's I'm, unintended consequences, you did, right? Here's the unintended consequences. And, and it wasn't until you honestly, I didn't even... I, yeah. it didn't click in my head. So the point again of, of the, the, the patio extension, the temporary patio extension is to spread those 25 yeah. out. So when you tell that to people, they get it. Yeah. But initially, because it's so fluid and changes so rapidly, you know, th- this is where, you know, not breaking my hand, slapping ourselves on the back, but this is where the guild, yeah. this is why guilds exist. Because you couldn't, no one could navigate this without a collective voice at this moment. And I don't mean that in a self-serving manner. I mean, we're getting all sorts of information from, thankfully it's not all 180 members, but we get a a lot of input and dialogue with our membership, which we're then able to take to the rest of the industry associations yeah. are there's commonality between all of them. And then we take that to the government and we have one point of contact with the government and it encompasses all the industries. And that's how shit is getting done. Yeah. And, and that again is one of these silver linings. So when, when we come to, this is where we're earning our stripe of if, you know, if those small brewers are unsure if they should be members, this is why you have a deal at this yeah. moment and i don't mean that to sound like hey we're all g-. it's a group of people the board is we have board calls every two weeks Where the board is constantly asking um you guys are on the yep. slack channel so adam and mike i think you're for yeah, sure adam, mike. and
0: Michael. yeah chloe michael from category 12 yeah, like, so, so there's virtually a lot
1: of the board yeah. is pretty much on it so they'll trickle down to me um hey this came up and i'm yeah. like oh I- I didn't even know about that but yeah these kind of there's always an unintended consequence and it's this game of whack-a-mole yeah and that's sometimes why policy takes so long because what we want in contract manufacturing for example if we do that 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 affects the contract manufacturing side uh in the wine industry and in the the distilling industry and the mead makers and the cider makers and yeah. everyone else so
0: yeah and I, I it's funny because I have contract manufacturing written down but uh our taste room is going to open for to go so I because I know that we'll talk about that for thirty minutes, so we'll have to have you back on to talk about it. But I will say um, before we go that, and I think I emailed you or called you about this before. Is like often when we're, you're running your business day to day, the guild is there in the background, and you're not really you know you're not paying a ton of attention to it. But during this time, you're right. This is when you know, even just getting your email updates of being like, okay, so this is what's happened and this is what you need to do. Yeah. Here's the link to WorkSafe's step-by-step plan on, on you know, for writing your own plan for the brewery. Here's the guild's versions for that's dedicated to breweries. So you can look at this template and, and adjust, right? And so it's getting that information where like, you know, where none of us have written WorkSafe plans for yeah. pandemics before. And so no. it's being able to like have a central spot where you can... Get information, but then also all be on the same page with it, right? So yeah. you don't have Trading Post doing one thing and Fieldhouse doing another one and, and, and Steel and Oak doing something entirely different. You can at least collectively be like, okay, we polled everybody, we've done the research, this is the best way to do it.
1: Yeah. You know? And we worked with, we were fortunate from the BC Restaurant Association, invited us and the Pub Association to join their uh, team. And they yeah. had, it had to be 10 calls of 50. Restaurants or more. And when I mean restaurants, I'm talking um, top table group. I'm talking keg restaurants. I'm talking Starbucks was on it. McDonald's was on it. So we're not talking about the mom and pop shops. We're talking about some players who have extensive expertise and or national. Yeah. So other markets had already opened. Yeah. So we were able to glean that knowledge. And then we met with, uh, thankfully the, the uh, wine Inst- Institute, BC wine Institute and the craft distillers met uh, the wine Institute heavily, uh, heavily resourced, do yeah. a great job. They invited us to do the manufacturing piece. And out of that, we created the breweries piece. Um, and then we used the template, from uh, the safety plan from Worksafe uh, to be able to man uh, to be able to, to to edit that and make it for for our yeah. members, and that's a requirement for our members to you know it should be posted on your site. It needs to be accessible if a Worksafe PC uh, inspection comes, which they are happening. Yeah, uh, people somehow are under the impression the inspections aren't occurring; they're occurring. So is the capacity inspections. Yeah. So to your point, we want consistency around the province that. Will, what this is all about is n- not a cover your ass. It's to show, firstly, your employees, you are taking this exceptionally yeah. serious. And it's to instill confidence in your employees and instill confidence in the consumer. To come back and feel really safe. There was a survey um, out of Vancouver, but that's a good place to do it. Yes, And it was 33% of the population is ready to come back. 33% of the population is going to wait to see what the tasting room safety protocols look like or the restaurant protocols look like for retail protocols, really, uh, overall. And 33% are not wor- going to come back until there is a vaccine yeah. or herd immunity. Yeah. So that l- literally 66% of the population is not sure.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So we need to prove to them that we have done the right thing. And if that's making it, over the top in terms of si- sanitation yeah. and showing people what we're doing, then so be it.
0: And that's what we have to do. That's yeah. what we have to do. Yeah. I want to thank my guest today, Ken Beatty from uh, the BC Craft Brewers Guild, uh, for being on the program. Thanks, Ken.
1: It was awesome.